And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. Joined now from Philadelphia by Dale Lawley, our Steelers beat writer at DKPittsburghSports.com, where the Steelers will be playing the Eagles in a preseason game. Hi, Dale. Hey, what's going on, DK? I don't know. That's why we're calling you, I guess. Let's find out. What are the expectations? Realistically, Dale, you've been around the team every day through the summer, through training camp and everything. What are the expectations that the Steelers have for Mason Rudolph going into this game? What's fair? What's realistic? And what are they, maybe what even are they privately hoping for? Well, I think, you know, realistically, they want to see him go out there and run the offense. Um, It's not about completions. It's not about, you know, throwing touchdown passes or anything like that. They want to see him go out there and competently show that he can command the huddle, the line of scrimmage, get guys lined up properly, make sure that he's calling the right plays, all those uh, those things that you don't think about. And then once, you know, they see that, then they want to see the completions and everything else that, that goes along with it. Um, but they're not going to rush this process. and They don't expect uh, Rome to be built in a day either. Um, he has throughout the process, um, early in each portion, struggled a little bit. Uh, but then each day, as it goes on, has gotten better and better throughout the process. So he's a guy that learns quickly. He doesn't make the same mistakes twice. And I, I think that's what they want to see today. They want to see him go out there, get his feet wet, and more importantly, get those that first NFL experience under his belt. Because they, judging from, from his past performances, as long as they've been with him, They've seen him get better along the way. So I think what you, the expectation is is to see him improve from game one to game four of this preseason. What have been your own observations, you now, not the Steelers, of, of the okay. way he has conducted himself, <laughs> the way he's uh, composed himself? Realistically, Dale, this is a, this is a kid who came into a, a tough situation, as I was talking about earlier in the show. Uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's, franchise there's quarterback, you know, Ben takes that little bit of a shot at the Steelers at the time. He's going to cost somebody a job, and yet he seems to have composed himself. Yeah, he's, he is a very, uh, as you mentioned, a com- very composed young man. Uh, you can tell he was a, a you know, a, a big-time recruit and also a long-time starter in college. You know, if he would have stayed in school another year, Dan, um, he would have been a, a first-round draft pick. How high? It's, How high? Seriously, he could have been. He may have been with another good year at Oklahoma State. Maybe the number one overall. Wow! Um, because this year's draft class. I mean, people are talking about uh, Trace McSorley as being a first round draft pick. Right. This kid's better than Trace McSorley. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't. That's not even necessarily a shot at Trace. Trace is a different no. type of quarterback right. who isn't yeah. necessarily in the NFL mold. Right, and, and that's what I mean, but. But this guy, with, with the quarterback class that's, that's going to be available in this year's draft, there's no doubt in my mind he's a top ten pick. So the Steelers get him in the third round, and, and they get to you know have him on redshirt for this year. And we'll see about what happens in the future with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you know, Ben Roethlisberger can say everything that he wants about you know wanting to play two or three more years, but it was just two years ago that he was talking about possibly retiring. So he put the thought in their head that hey, we better get you know the, the replacement in place. Um, you know, I, I don't blame the Steelers at all for that. No. You have to, when, once your quarterback hits the mid-30s, you should probably probably be drafting a guy every two years um, as a potential replacement uh, if you don't think that you have that guy on your roster just because you don't want to have that, that uh, 
that downtime, that down period. You don't want to go uh, one and fifteen like the uh, the Colts did when they when they got rid of uh, Peyton Manning and, and got mm-hmm. Andrew Luck. You don't you don't want that that kind of season. Um, now maybe some fans do, but that's not the way that the Steelers think. No, there's no question about that. Joined by Dale Lawley on the phone from Philadelphia, the Steelers and Eagles will be kicking off in a semi-real football game at 7 p.m. tonight. Dale, you mentioned, and I can't help but go off a little bit off my own script here, you mentioned the Steelers getting Rudolph a year before uh, he's coming out of college. Juju was drafted at a very young age as well. And I wonder if, if they aren't maybe onto something here a little bit. I know that's not exactly reinventing the wheel, but when you get these guys that are younger and you know that you can kind of, not that Juju was inactive last year, but you know what I'm saying. Right. You can no, find yeah, you can find a way to kind of store them away and say, look, you know, if it's not so much what we think they're going to be in this draft, it's what they would be in the next draft. And that's, that's the key. The Steelers have made a, a habit of drafting underclassmen, young guys, and the reason they do it day on is because they've been picking at the bottom of the first round mm-hmm. for as long as we can remember, and you're not going to get a shot at some of the top top talent. You're just not. So if you take a guy who's, say, 20, um, but has a lot of upside, he, maybe he's not completely grown into his body. Stephon Tuitt's a perfect example. Uh, Stephon Tuitt's in his fifth year in the league. He's 25 years old. Right. Artie Burns is in his, you know, is, is, is 24. There were, there were corners in this year's draft that are – Older than Artie Burns, um, you know he's he's still twenty three years old or twenty four years old. I mean right. they've got guys that that are going to continue to grow, uh, and they like to have that because I mean think about Lawrence Timmons. Lawrence Timmons played ten years in the NFL for the Steelers, and when he left them, he was thirty. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right? He took it. He took a year on scholarship, but then you know when he grew into the position, he became a pretty good football player for them. Uh, you know they they were able to because they had a good football team give him that year of, of continued growth, which would have been his last year in college, but he was able to, to spend that in the NFL. Uh, oh, by the way, working with NFL trainers, uh, you know, learning the, the system and all that other stuff, and it's, it, it's been very beneficial for them. I can't think of too many of those guys uh, who they've drafted who have been 20 or 21 that have flamed out. It just, it just doesn't seem to happen. Staying with the offense, but going to a much, much, much lesser light. In the in the overall scope, meaning anything less than quarterback, Chooks Okorafor is a guy that I'm particularly interested in watching through this preseason. If only because to what we're talking about with the draft, the Steelers haven't really had a lineman, an offensive lineman that they've drafted of any significance since DeCastro, since David DeCastro back in 2012. There's been three guys they've taken: Gerald Hawkins, the long snapper. Colin Holba, and I forgot the other one's name. Wesley, uh, Wesley, Wesley Saunders. Wesley, no, nah, that's the tight end. Right, I'm sorry, uh, Wesley, uh, Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson, who's still in the league, by my might add. Who's still in um, the league, but has no impact on the Steelers. No impact on, but that happens when you have a, when you have a, a team that is that is deep like this. Right. Um, you, you know, you're going to have the. I was just writing now about the the Craig Urbic release in 2010, and I mentioned this a little bit on the. Uh, on our on our website um, over the weekend, and you were like, "Wow, I didn't know this is how they kept the Antonio Brown." Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it can't, you know, they they were looking. They had to keep four quarterbacks that year because of the Ben Roethlisberger suspension, and other guys were getting hurt. And so uh, there were some in the organization, uh, being the uh, some being the offensive coordinator, who wanted to release Antonio Brown and try to put him on the practice squad because they needed to keep the four quarterbacks. That's awesome. 
And so instead, <laughs> they released Craig Urbeck, who was a third-round pick the year before, and everybody goes nuts. Well, you know, and he played, he's still playing in the league. Uh, you know, seven, eight years later, he plays, he plays a good long time, was a starter for a long time in this league. But they kept Antonio Brown instead because Bruce Arians got, no, we're keeping that guy. I just looked up the numbers. That preseason, Antonio Brown had nine catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. He was not sneaking on anybody. Wow. Right. No, 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 no. Especially not if they saw how he did it. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is Emmanuel Sanders also had a good preseason that year. He had nine catches for 149 149 Mm -hmm. yards and a touchdown. You had both of those young guys, but you didn't know it because they're rookie receivers. Hey, do we keep both of these guys? Do we let one go and try to, because we need the quarterback space for the quarterback. That's what's so important about these preseason games, Dayon. You know, guys complain about it and the fans complain about it. But the coaches don't complain about it because oh, no. when they get a chance to look at those guys, a guy like Chooks for they need to find out what they have there. Well, that's that's because, why I asked about yeah. him, Dale, because he's if you have to at some point or other start the process of replenishing the line. I mean, we talk about the quarterback, the quarter. You know, Ben has attached his own future and his own fate to the current offensive linemen who aren't going to be there forever. And, right. and that's why you want to see Chooks, especially especially someone like Okorafor, who's a left tackle. We can all we can debate whether that or center is the most important position, but it's one of the two. And for him to be able to play over at that position, that's pretty valuable and important stuff. It is. And the other the other thing of note is that is that Mike Munchak's done a great job of really working with some of these undrafted guys that they get. I mean, you look at. Chris Hubbard just got paid $36 million by the Browns. Right, right. Uh, you look at B.J. Finney. You look at Matt Filer, who's, who looks like he can be a competent NFL lineman. Mm-hmm. These are guys they got un- as undrafted guys. Um, you know, teams are taking guys in the first round, uh, you know, offensive linemen in the first round. The Philadelphia Eagles did it a few years ago with a kid named Danny Watkins. He used a first-round dra- draft pick on him. He's an interior lineman, a guard from uh, BYU. Stunk. He's out of the league in two years. Meanwhile, the Steelers are grabbing guys who are undrafted guys and turning them into starters. And the Eagles have done some of that too. I'm yeah, I was going to say this. The, I mean, the yeah. Steelers have DeCastro and Pouncey, and Marcus was a second rounder. You have guys up there with some pedigree too, right? Uh, at, as as part of that, but, that, you know. But it's, right, it, it's, it, that's what good teams. The good teams find those undrafted players and turn them into into you know regular contributors. If you can do that with one guy a year. Um, that saves, you know, you, you're going to make some mistakes in a draft. Every team does. Dale Lolly. Yeah, that uh, saves a lot of stuff. <laughs> Dale Lolly is my guest from Philadelphia. And, and Dale, in following you around uh, out at Latrobe, I know that you're keeping a closer eye than anything at the defensive formations and counting all the secondary guys and the number of safeties that are up at the line of scrimmage. Tell me what you're looking for tonight in that regard schematically. Well, I think you're going to see the, the seven defensive backs package a little bit tonight. Um, a lot of the starters aren't going to play a whole lot here, but they're going to take some looks at it as much as they can. Um, this new dime def- uh, defense with uh, Vince Williams in the middle and some of these other guys that they want to deploy, they want to get Terrell Edmonds on the field in a lot of different spots. He, he has looked every bit the first-round draft pick. Oh, you um, like him. That he was. Yeah, he, you he like him. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he looks like a legitimate playmaker. Um I've even had some suggest to me that he might be the team's best safety. Wow. Uh, and by some, I'm, I mean, some people who have some pretty good ideas about these things. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a good young playmaker. Uh, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. 
and he's young. Again, he's another one of these guys that's you know 20, 21 years old. He's got, his younger brother is 19, and he's in the NFL as well. I mean, it's just insane. And the family genes are there. Uh, he's very serious about the game, and uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, there's no question about that. You have to, before I let you go here, for anyone who didn't see your entry in Friday Insider a few days ago, tell the story about Gene Steratore's son. Uh, share with them about the observations that he had of the Steelers' secondary. And for those who don't know, Gene Steratore is a very respected, longtime NFL official whose son is it's Matt, right? His uh, son, Tony. Ton Tony. Tony. Tony's the back judge, and, and, and then Gene Jr. was the uh, the referee who's now going to be in the booth for uh, CBS. Right, so go ahead and take Tony, it away. Yeah. This this is too good. So Tony's, Tony's uh, I'm talking to Tony toward the end of practice when, they were, when the officials were out there, and Tony says, you know, because the, the defensive backs that day were just having a monster day. They had four or five picks. Now, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't practicing that day, so that helps. But Tony says, you know, we, we talked to the defensive backs yesterday when we were here for the first time, and they were getting pretty grabby on the field. Everything was grab, 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 and we were throwing flags, and, and, and they were getting mad at us. And we talked to them as a group after the practice and said, uh, hey, you know, you guys, we're going to call, this is how we're going to call defensive pass interference this year. You guys need to be cognizant, cognizant of this. He said the next practice they come out, he said, look, they're moving their feet, they're getting in front of balls, they're picking off passes left and right. And he just kind of looked at me and goes, eh, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love that because people dehumanize these guys, these officials. And if oh, you think, if you think yeah. about it, in, in, in that case, all Steratori did was advise the players, and this is part of the official's job. A lot of people don't realize that. It's not just about making the calls or not making the calls. It's to let the players and the coaches know what the the expectation is. And in that case, it made, even if it's just for a day, the Steelers' defensive backs grow up a little bit. And you're right, I was out there. They had their hands all over the football instead of the opposing receivers. Beautiful to watch. Absolutely, yeah. It was, it was, great. It was great stuff to watch and, and uh, just a little bit of insight that, that uh, Tony was able to give me. Um, I've known Tony for a long time, and that was uh, he's a great guy. Dale Lawley. Beat writer for DKPittsburghSports.com out in Philadelphia. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate it. All right. No problem, DK. We'll talk to you. Steelers and Eagles tonight at 7 p.m. The number to call to participate in this particular program is 412-333-9939. I'm Dan Kovacevic filling in for Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 The X.